Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. And you know what, Kyle? This is my favorite kind of radio. Why? Because it's Funk Radio. Oh. I tried to call into the radio once to win tickets to K-Rock Weenie Roast, and I didn't get in. I was sad. I'm sorry. I know. Is that a real story? It was the yes, it was the worst moment of my life. Uh, yeah, I was like in like late high school, I think. I was calling in trying to get tickets or some shit. And when and in that moment when you hit rock bottom in your life, that's when you knew that you had to make funk radio. I knew I had to make my own radio station so that people would uh, have to call in to me. That no one can call in and feel the same pain that you felt. Exactly. Hello and welcome, funky listeners, to Funk Radio. The podcast that is rock bottom. Made of broken dreams. <laughs> in, in, yeah. Um, so, Kyle. Yes. You put together today's topic. Um, I did. And uh, I'm excited to learn about it. I don't know anything about it. I haven't even looked through this yet, so it'll be new to me, as well as to the listeners, I assume. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting topic that I kind of stumbled on couple months ago basically it started in quarantine i've been fortunate enough um to be working from home since quarantine started and in order to make the days pass faster since you know there's no co-workers around me or whatever there's no chit chat uh i listen to music and so i have like spotify playlist going whatever blah 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 and i stumbled on this genre of music that I really dug, called Vaporwave. It's kind of a subgenre of EDM, of electronic music, I suppose. Yeah. But I stumbled on, I, I forget which artist I first stumbled on, and I was like, hey, this is cool. So it kind of became like a rabbit hole of finding other artists in this genre. But I ended up just kind of making a little playlist of, you know, Vaporwave music, some chill wave kind of music, just relaxing stuff to listen to that's not super distracting. Um, right. But it's kind of just like nice background music, you know, while you're working. Productive music. I know we talked a little bit about like lo-fi um, music. Uh, uh, yeah, a God, while back. A we while did ago, yeah. yeah. And this is kind of in that same vein. It's 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 very much, you know, electronic, semi-instrumental music that's kind of just meant for background stuff, not active listening. Got it. I like music like that sometimes, depending on what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. So I stumbled on this genre. I, I dug it enough that I'm just like, hey, this might be a cool funk episode. So, you know, a couple weeks later, finally, I got around to putting together a topic on it. Uh, kind of similar in uh, to our last episode when we talked about uh, Disco Italo or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. Italo Disco. Yeah. Yeah. Where we kind of just dive into some of the artists in a fairly obscure genre, talk about it. Um this genre, however, as opposed to Italo Disco, is much, much newer. It basically emerged in the early 2010s. Huh. And the funny thing about this genre of vaporwave is, alongside, you know, being a musical genre, I guess, a niche musical subgenre, it's it also has a sort of visual aesthetic or graphical style that goes along with it huh. that kind of is reflected a lot in you know, album art for these different EDM artists, uh, or even just, you know, posts about Vaporwave that you happen upon on the internet. 
Um, or if they, I'm guessing here, if they're posting it on YouTube or something with a music video, there's probably exactly, yeah, exactly. That in the, the the visual style of it kind of complements the music in that it's very 90, 80s, 90s techno retro. You know, lots of pastel colors, like you know, from the late 80s and early 90s. Mm. Kind of that warped VHS style that you know was really a thing back then. That where they they try to reproduce that sort of lo-fi visual style that you know was all too common back when we were kids, basically. So it seems like it's largely driven on nostalgia, then. Exactly, and that's that's what I was about to get at. Is this genre coming around in the 2010s is mostly created by, I guess you would say, millennials hmm. who uh, have a nostalgia for the music and visual flair of the late 80s and early 90s. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a genre born out of nostalgia for an earlier time while also kind of poking fun at the culture of the time. Okay. You know, the the, the silliness of, you know, 80s and 90s, you know, kid kid consumer culture and stuff like that. Right. The interesting thing about it is that it's a genre born basically from internet nostalgia for a time that was basically pr- almost pre-internet, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I don't know much about. I I've had some like small amount of awareness of vaporwave over the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. like I haven't, I've never like researched it or anything, and um, I'm sure I'll learn some stuff today. But like from what I know about it, it's it is interesting just in the sense that like. It's an almost an essential element to have like that visual like style along with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas you don't really like each, uh, you know, musical artists of different genres obviously like take on their own styles. And sometimes yeah. you see trends within certain genres like that's pretty common. But for mm. like graphical visualizations to be a core part of that musical genre that's sort of a new thing i think yeah that's something i was actually trying to think of as like are there other genres that have a distinct artistic style that is kind of associated with that genre i thought maybe punk music to a degree yeah Um, i mean rap to a degree i mean you could almost country i mean you could assign that to almost anything yeah Um, there is definitely certain sort of you know artistic checkboxes yeah, and like specific bands, probably even more so than genres, will sometimes have like a very distinct mm-hmm. style or or even certain trends like 80s hair bands and shit like that. You know, like yeah. there were some uh, visual styles that went along with it, but I don't, I don't feel like the music was necessarily hinged on that in the way that this seems to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that may be because it's, it's very much born of the internet, and along with being born from the internet, the internet provides a certain level of anonymity. Mm. So a lot of these artists, they don't go around showing their faces. They're EDM artists who All put right. their stuff up on YouTube or Bandcamp or uh, SoundCloud, and you know the only thing you associate with them is you know album art or posts they make on you know blogs. Right. So. It may be because of that sort of anonymity, they can't they can't evoke a personal sense of style. So mm. they that kind of comes out more in the graphical designs of you know their ad- advertising. I guess I don't know. Right. But uh, it's funny because that kind of weird '90s vi- visual flair kind of bleeds over into the music side of basically where this genre came from, mm. and really it's it's 
the best way to define it is it's kind of slowed down samplings of you know, smooth smooth jazz, sort of elevator music, lounge music from the 80s and 90s. So it's very much a relaxed mm. sort of style and genre. The visuals that go along with it, I think, are meant to evoke a sense of relaxation and, and think 90s screensaver type thing. You know, it's not supposed <laughs> to be br- jarring on your eyes. It's supposed to be pleasing to look at. Like those colorful pipes that would... Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Those goofy flying toasters or whatever, you know. You know which one I like? I always like the maze one. That was always my favorite. The 3D maze. I don't remember that one. I remember the pipes. I remember the toasters. Uh, I remember the Uga Chaka baby. <laughs> so yeah, basically this genre is kind of defined, like you said, by nostalgia, by making commentary or sort of of the pop music and pop consumer consciousness of, you know, the 80s and 90s. And so because of that, I don't think it ever really strived to get mass appeal. It was always for fans, by fans kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting genre. And in trying to figure out like where this genre came from, I stumbled upon a couple artists from a, a, another genre that I've also never heard of called hypnogogic pop. I don't know what that means. Uh, that's a new one on me too. <laughs> right? It's basically like pop mixed with like 80s emo music and like dreary sort of shoegaze style so vaporwave came from hypnagogic pop it sort of like it was influenced by some of those artists which were a bit more popular Uh, than you know your average vaporwave artists um the two that came up that uh were ariel pink who i have heard of and james ferrero both of them i guess are kind of characterized as even, you know, in their popularity, they often like to invoke retro pop culture, either in music videos that they make, their advertising, their um, album art, whatever. So they these were not Vaporwave. This was before it. It's just like laying the groundwork, basically. Yeah, this was stuff. These were artists that were already fairly popular by like the 2010s and were heavily... They, they didn't do Vaporwave themselves, but you could tell Vaporwave influenced was influenced by their style okay okay. Uh, i want to play a little clip of a song by ariel pink just so you can kind of see how this style sort of uh you know laid the bedrock so to speak for how vaporwave sounds Mm. so let's play a little clip of the sound of the song another weekend by ariel pink and you can kind of see what i'm talking about See how it's very kind of hypnotic and yeah. I was gonna say it reverby. sounds very like ethereal, kind of. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, not not weird in a bad way necessarily. It's just um, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Ariel Pink being one of the more famous artists, this particular music video has like two million hits. So mm. he kind of broke out of the nicheness of that genre and became one of the more prolific people, I guess, in that sort of style of like you said, ethereal pop almost. Hmm. But you'll see how other Vaporwave artists kind of were influenced by that same ethereal tone that he established. Got it. So 
as I was saying, you know, the internet, uh, the internet basically birthed the subgenre of vaporwave. It birthed a meme out of it as well that you'll see a lot on the internet and internet comments and things like Reddit and stuff where people often talk about uh, the word aesthetics. Basically, aesthetics meaning the visual appeal of something. You know, it's often mm-hmm. used in, you know, graphic design or uh, furniture design, or really design of any physical medium. It's like it has a good aesthetic, you know. Film, um, they talk about that a lot in like film studies as well. Exactly. Yeah, film aesthetics, exactly. And so people will, as a meme, when they see something that's pleasing to them, they'll, they'll type the word aesthetics, but... They'll put a space between each letter, I guess. To, to like, of, emphasize the word. And that was a meme that kind of was born out of the vaporwave because they uh. were so, in a parody, parodying way almost, they were sort of obsessed with the idea of aesthetics and hmm. kind of poking fun at what people in the 80s and 90s thought was aesthetic and thought looked good. I see. You know, they, they harken back to 90s web design hmm. another big influence in vaporwave as we'll see is uh 90s anime for whatever reason because it has a very distinctive art style as opposed to even modern anime yeah i know i mentioned the two artists ariel pink and james ferrero i kind of lied when i said that they didn't really go into vaporwave james ferrero actually who, who is an edm artist kind of sort of stumbled into really the vaporwave genre it really is actually kind of arguably seen as one of the first vaporwave artists Hmm. he created this album with uh two other artists daniel lapatin and ramona xavier uh they're basically you know produce edm producers artists whatever that kind of work together and they they work under various pseudonyms which makes this all the more confusing um (laughs) when james ferrer was working with ramona xavier they produced an album called floral shop uh that came out in 2011 and this album is kind of considered one of the first if not maybe the first vaporwave album Hmm. and it to show how old it is it first sort of popped up on the website last fm you remember them i don't think they're around anymore oh was that the uh was that the radio it was like like internet internet radio radio. yeah they basically built an audience around that that site last fm as well as reddit and 4chan and that kind of was the genesis, I guess, of this sort of vaporwave culture was these people, you know, following these original artists, James Ferrero, Ramona Xavier, mm-hmm. Daniel Lapatin, and then obviously other artists, you know, sprouting off from that. So I know I mentioned the his al- Xavier's album, Floral Shop, uh, from 2011. So I, I picked a song off of that that I wanted to talk about. Now, remember how I said before that they, they the artists went under different pseudonyms well mm. ramona xavier went under the pseudonym macintosh plus mm. this this album's pretty bizarre because a lot of the titles are written in uh japanese characters so i had to translate shit uh, okay. this particular song is called lisa frank 420 now <laughs> i don't know if you remember cool. lisa frank peter but yeah that is I like do. ultimate 90s uh, aesthetic sort of just random rainbow bullshit that they pandered to little girls and i will admit i had some of them so lisa frank 420 oh so that's the name of the song yes the song okay. is called lisa frank 420 got it um by macintosh plus yes let's play a little clip so you can know what the hell i'm talking about 
yeah, you can see it's very like stretched out, slowed down. Yeah. Sort of just it almost it's like it's like you're you know like when you're getting gassed to go under for surgery and like everyone's voices slow down. <laughs> basically sounds like hear? you're being anesthetized. Yeah, I, I was really noticing what you were saying earlier about it being like slowed down eighties lounge music almost. Yeah. Or like yeah. elevator music. I guess I'll also point out, because this is from 2011, um, I didn't know, I thought Vaporwave was only was in like the last couple of years, because I, I guess that's the only time that I've ever heard of it. I didn't realize it had gone back that far. I was going to say, the funny thing is that basically Vaporwave, for all intents and purposes, kind of died in like 2015, 16. That's so weird. I mean, I heard about it not until like a couple years after that. I <laughs> it's Maybe it's one of those things where it's like, you know, as soon as something becomes popular... You know, it loses its authenticity with its core audience and fizzles right. away. I don't know. Uh, it did spread off a genre sort of off of it called future funk that we're going to get into in a little bit that has uh-huh. a lot of similarities to Vaporwave, but is, is a bit more upbeat, uh, a bit more funky. I wonder if maybe that's what I've heard. Maybe. It, I, that's the thing. It, is I, I, it took me a while to kind of parse the two because okay. I think some of the artists that I first discovered were actually future funk artists. Uh, uh, but I didn't realize how intertwined the two genres kind of are. So, huh. but you can, you, as we'll go down the list, I, I, I do mention some future funk artists and you'll see that they are a bit more fast paced, more upbeat mm, okay. than some of these vaporwave artists. I found a little quote from the, um, Ramona Xavier where it says that she takes an unorthodox approach to sampling throughout floral shop with quote, Voices slowed to wordless drawls, tempos abused at whim, and snippets smashed over each other at clashing time signatures. So basically, just music chaos. It's um, a there's a there's a saying that you have to know the rules in order to break them. Um, true. It sounds like that's what's going on here. It's like mm-hmm. you're kind of taking the whole rule book for making music and kind of throwing it out the window. Kinda, yeah. Um, the. <laughs> The interesting thing is it says here, material sampled throughout the album includes several songs from new age group Dancing Fantasy's 1993 album Worldwide, never heard of them, various funk and R&B songs from the 80s, especially Diana Ross's take of It's Your Move, which which you might have heard a little bit in Lisa Frank 420, and it also takes the soundtrack from the 1997 video game Turok Dinosaur Hunter. (laughs) Huh, okay. That's the interesting thing about the genre, too. It pulls musical samples from so many just bizarre places. Like, it's a very, like, eclectic collection of things, yeah. R&B, you know, video games, random electronic sounds. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Huh, okay. Yeah, a lot of a lot of weird clashing influences there, you know? But it, it yeah. sounds interesting, and I dug the song when I first heard it. Yeah. So that was Lisa Frank 420 by Macintosh Plus. The next artist I found jumps ahead about three years. This guy is definitely one of the more well-known Vaporwave artists to the point that he kind of sort of broke into the full-on indie scene where, you know, he had enough money to make music videos even and stuff. He goes by two personas because he's got a solo act and he was also in a sort sort of group. He goes by Skylar Pence and also Saint Pepsi. Uh, his real name is Ryan to Robertus, hmm. and he's an electronic musician who grew up in Farmingville, New York, 
Shout out to our listeners from Farmingville. Yeah. He went to Boston College to study music. Uh, his, his project, St. Pepsi, began in December 2012. And as St. Pepsi, he released a pretty hit album, ironically called Hit Vibes, in May 2013. Uh, this particular song that we're going to play is off of that album. It's called Fiona Cioin? C-O-Y-N-E. I don't know how to pronounce that. Is it not coin? Maybe it's coin. Just spelled weird. Uh, okay, yeah, Fiona it's coin. It's probably not coin, but... The music video for this is super bizarre. It's a guy carrying around a disco ball, and whenever he, he's encountering other people that are, like, flying into random romances, and I think because he's sad and single, his, his disco ball keeps deflating every time he sees other people, like, being romantic or... Oh, having weird. public display, displays of affection. It's really bizarre. But it's a good video. I will go ahead and give this a quick listen and watch. And so will the listeners. This is fun. It almost sounds like La Freak, like slowed down. A little bit, yeah. It's uh, it's yeah, it's definitely more upbeat and almost disco-y, yeah, but not quite all the way there. Yeah, similar to uh, Macintosh Plus, he incorporates really unorthodox sounds in his music. He even sources soundtracks from video games like Mario Kart '64. Hmm. Yeah, this one's a bit more um, polished, I, I guess I would say. Yeah, it's definitely seems Lisa like Frank it. 420. But as I said, this is like a leap of like three or four years. The genre had a bit of refining to do. Right. So the next artist we have up is called Young Bay, spelled Y U N G B A E, like my bay. Hmm. His real name is Dallas Cotton, whitest name ever. <laughs> and he's a vaporwave slash future funk producer from your uh, neck of the woods, Portland, Oregon. Interesting. And I've heard of Young Bay. I can't like name any songs on the top of my head, but I know I've seen that name before. Somewhere. Yeah, he he's blown up so big that he's he's even been featured with like rappers and stuff. Oh, interesting. So he's a fairly decently he's a fairly big producer, at least in the sort of electronic slash EDM slash vaporwave scene, whatever. Got it. Um, I didn't know he was from Portland. Though. That's cool. Yep. Shout out. He's had plenty of albums, but the album that this is off of is called Bay, uh, and it ha- it samples a lot of 1980s Japanese city pop, which is a whole other genre that we can talk about. Huh. But this one is starting to kind of blur the lines between vaporwave and uh, future funk. So let's listen to a little clip of his song, Selfish High Heels. Sounds like Japanese disco. Oh yeah, that's Japanese city music was popular in the early to late eighties, and it was very okay. much influenced by sort of disco and lounge singers uh, huh. of you know earlier years. They just kind of got it a little bit late. It does almost sound like a mix between those two. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's like a a mix of like disco and jazz almost. Huh. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting genre in and of itself that we could probably talk about it another time if we do like a you know foreign genres. That would actually be kind of interesting. I'm gonna write that down because you talked about Italo disco, which is very much influenced through Italy. We're talking about a, a genre that's pretty much predominant in Japan. I'm curious about like genres of music that kind of just didn't really make it to the u.s but were popular in other countries oh that's interesting so yeah you can definitely see more of that kind of like disco-y sort of lounge a little bit more upbeat influence in this song that you'll definitely see a lot more of in like the future funk stuff we'll play this is starting to sound more like what i would associate with this whole movement so it's possible that i have been thinking of future funk this whole time i honestly i think it was the same with me i yeah. i realized after researching the two genres are are very tied together but to the point that some some of them are almost interchangeable but future funk is almost like the later iteration of vaporwave mm. and so the stuff that i stumbled upon was basically more future funk than vaporwave which you know it is what it is next artist i have is a year later in 2015. Uh, his name's George Clayton. Clanton, sorry. And this particular song is off of his album Slide. This George Cl- Clanton guy goes by other monikers, including Mirror Kisses and Esprit something. Um, a lot of these people seem to not want to stick to one name. <laughs> I know, right? They Yeah, they have a lot of pseudonyms or whatever. And yeah, he definitely got involved in the vaporwave scene in 2015. And interestingly enough, I guess showing that vaporwave isn't really that dead. In 2019, he launched the first ever vaporwave music festival oh, wow. called 100% Electronicon. Huh. I did not expect that would be a thing, but right. Yeah. <laughs> and this, the interesting thing about this guy is, as I was talking about earlier in the episode, vaporwave is. Very much a sort of a parody genre, kind of, yeah. you know, it's it's both admiring while also kind of poking a little bit of fun at 90s aesthetics, 80s aesthetics, 80, 80s and 90s consumerism. But right. this particular artist said that unlike other Vaporwave artists, he doesn't really try to, quote, be ironic or silly with his lyrics. And he prefers to, quote, write great pop songs that are representative of the emotion that I actually feel when I'm singing them. And so he described his album Sly that we're going to play a sample of uh, as a vaporwave opera. <laughs> so, <laughs> Never thought I'd hear yeah. that phrase. Okay. I know, right? Interesting. So he seems a bit more earnest than some other artists. And that is like, you know. Taking it more seriously, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make serious music within this subgenre. Let's play a little clip of a song off of his album Slide called Make It Forever. So this is kind of going back to that more ethereal sound that we heard from like Macintosh Plus and whatnot. Yeah, it is a little more similar to that. I feel like his vocal style is even emulating certain artists from the 80s a little bit too. Oh, for sure. For sure. It definitely has that kind of 80s emo. What's that genre from the 80s that like the Cure when stuff was a part of, but it wasn't technically emo. It was 
it was like new wave i guess new wave was kind of what i was thinking yeah yeah it, it kind of more that new wave influence which kind of makes sense new wave vaporwave uh yeah so the next handful of artists that i picked were are very much more uh in the future funk genre and as I said before, Future Funk kind of sprouted off of Vaporwave, but it contains more elements of funk, disco, some Japanese pop, mm. with more of a nostalgic influence of, like, it's less poking fun at, you know, the genres of the 80s and 90s and, and the consumer culture, and more just pure nostalgic. Mm. So these songs are a lot more upbeat, they're more funky, and they're just drenched in, like, 90s aesthetic, basically. Mm. Much more made for millennials by millennials kind of shit. So the first artist in this future funk genre that I have is Macross82-99, which is kind of interesting because that's kind of the year time span that that a lot of these, this music pulls from is like, you know, early to mid eighties to the, to the entirety of the nineties. Right. And these songs are a lot more sample heavy. They're a lot more upbeat with these next artists I'm going to mention, it was a bit harder for me to find actual information on who the hell these people are. It seems like they basically revel in anonymity. So we're going to play some samples of the songs just so you guys can get a feel for this genre. But I don't have a lot of info on like, oh, this artist, you know, was from this town or whatever. <laughs> uh, because I don't know who the hell they are. We're going to play a little clip of uh, the song Fun Tonight by Macross8299. This one is very, very Japanese influenced, but it's super, I don't know, addicting, catchy, whatever. Man, this song's catchy. Yeah, it's a good one. So if you couldn't tell, this song samples the song I Want to Be With You by the disco band Armanta. I don't know if you caught it, because I think it's like in the middle of the song, but it also samples Yoshi's voice from this the video game Super Smash Bros. Melee huh. for the Nintendo GameCube. Interesting. <laughs> it's just, that's what I like about the genre. It's just so freaking weird. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny that musical genres that are coming about, you know, now in this decade, because video games have now been around for 40-something years, that video games are now influencing music. Yeah. The next song I have actually has a really interesting backstory. It's called Plastic Love by Night Tempo, and this this song popped up on YouTube in about 2016. Let's play a little clip of it first, and then mm -hmm. I'll go into the backstory of the song. Okay. This song is really interesting because... It heavily samples from a song from 1984 called Plastic Love, hmm. and it was a J-pop song, which stands for Japanese pop. So this song, Plastic Love, was performed by the Japanese singer-songwriter Maria Takushi. I'm probably butchering that. This song came out in, you know, 84, and 
basically, you know, it was a big hit in Japan. Didn't really, you know, land stateside or anything. But her song became really popular again in the early 2000s when it resurfaced on YouTube. Um, Hmm. I put a little clip here of the original Plastic Love song. Let's play a little clip of it because you can actually see how the original song is a bit more slowed down, actually, than this um, version by Night Tempo. Quite a nice song. What year did you say this was? 84? 1984. Huh. Basically, yeah, she wrote the song in 84, performed it in 84, gained popularity from it, you know, has since, you know, basically probably retired. And the song suddenly popped up online on YouTube as well as the subreddit uh, called r slash listen to this, which is a subreddit where users can kind of share interesting music that they find. Okay. It popped up on there in 2017 and just absolutely exploded on the internet to the point that she basically kind of had a resurgence of fame from the song. People are like, who is this singer? And the version by Night Tempo that we played, that kind of remix to the song, actually exploded in popularity where it has like over almost 3 million views, like 2.5 million views. So because of this massive resurgence of... The song Plastic Love, and therefore the artist Maria Takushi that's tied to it, basically the Japanese newspaper, Japanese Times, tracked her down and asked her about it. Huh. And so she, she gave some comments about, you know, this new popularity of her of her single that was hasn't really been played a lot in 40 years. And she says, quote, It never occurred to me to try to release work in the West. Considering that it was mostly performed in Japanese, we figured it would be impossible to go abroad. However, looking at YouTube's comment section for Plastic Love Now, many viewers don't really seem to care what language it's in. I think that's kind of an interesting point of not only this song, but Future Funk and Vaporwave in general. It's influenced a lot by 80s Japanese pop, and doesn't seem to have any consideration that most people aren't going to understand what they're saying. It's just the fact that the beat is funky, you know right. the 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 melody of the song is uh, catchy, so it's it's used a lot in samples. And I guess when you think about it, it I suppose that's not too surprising, given that like a genre like like this is more driven by, I mean, to use the word from earlier in the episode, the aesthetic. You know, grabbing bits and pieces of this older time that we're now remembering. Mm-hmm. It's more about that than having like deep lyrics or anything like that so the fact that you can't necessarily understand what the singer is saying if you don't you know if you don't know japanese that's not really relevant in the grand scheme of the movement i guess yeah that is an interesting story though and i I almost wonder if like the the fact that you're not understanding what they're saying kind of plays into the sort of relaxing nature of it because you're able to more tune out and just focus on yeah the the funky sound and the, the the beat of it because you're not like trying to capture what the lyrics are saying yeah that's a good point the final song in this list i have no information on this song whatsoever i couldn't find anything on the artist mm. uh they do this artist posts a lot on Bandcamp, okay and has a handful of albums that you can find on there all the 
aesthetics, so to speak, of this artist are very Sailor Moon influenced, which is a 1990s, very girl-centric anime. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of info on this song. It was just a really cool sort of future funk song that I wanted to end the episode on to kind of, you know, cap off, like, this is what this genre sounds like. So let's play a clip of the song Floor 25 and the band's, or the artist's, the artist's name is Desired. fun yeah i mean i can i can see parallel with this and i think maybe one or two of the other ones we listen to i can mm-hmm. i can hear parallels to this with edm to some extent yeah it's got more of a indie uh electronic flair to it i guess it's not not so much polished as you know pop edm but um like over the years you know i've listened to all kinds of different just independent people on like soundcloud for example um, yeah. not in these genres, but in genres that are fairly similar to this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can definitely hear like parallels to some of that. And I will say that I'm sure I've said this before that like the music I listen to these days is largely modern music that takes inspiration from stuff from like the eighties or the seventies yeah, and, and puts a modern twist on it rather than it being yeah. trying to be that thing. And even some of their like visual stuff is eighties inspired as well but they're they're not trying to be like oh this is retro music that sounds exactly like it did back then or anything like that yeah i think that that's kind of where you draw a line between like heavy inspiration versus emulation Mm -hmm. which and i think emulation is kind of to an extent where some of these people are going um but obviously they're putting their own kind of modern spin on it too true so yeah this is this uh this has been educational I think there's definitely a couple here that I'm going to want to go back and listen to after we're done. I was going to say, you know, just if, just checking out Macross 8299 and Desired will mm. get you deep into like future funk stuff. So nice. definitely start with them. So I guess, you know, these are all the artists. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the genre? What you heard, what you like, what you didn't like? There was nothing here that I didn't like. Um I, I may end up exploring this a little bit on my own just because like I kind of thought I had an idea of what Vaporwave was. What I heard mm-hmm. here today wasn't quite the same thing, but I obviously like in any genre, you're going to have a variance of different styles and stuff. Um, but it's pretty similar to what I thought it was, at least. I was going to say, I think some of what you may have thought was Vaporwave is actually a subgenre called Synthwave which is oh, okay. much more sort of American synthesizer 80s music, kind of like what we were talking about with Italo Disco. Mm. That's very synth-heavy sort of, you know, right. DeLorean driving across an electronic grid to a city <laughs> yeah. type shit. You know, Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. What is it called? Synthwave? Synthwave. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. What was, uh, what was that one? I think you had sent it to me like forever ago. Synthwave song. Oh, yeah, where it was literally just, like, some guy did, like, a rendering of, like, a DeLorean going. Yeah, I found it. Do you want me to send it to you? Sure. I I almost feel like we should maybe play a clip of this, too, just because I feel like this is, if nothing else, it's related to these other genres we've been talking about. 
Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Just so you can kind of hear hear the similarities yet differences between the two genres cuz yeah. I think people do get them confused a lot. I think the artist is uh Miami Nights 1984 and I think the song is accelerated. But I, I think if nothing else, what do you call it, synthwave, stuff like that is kind of pulling inspiration from a lot of the same place mm-hmm. as these other genres. Like, I, I feel like in the last at least five years or so now, it's been pretty solid of like a lot of 80s, 80s. and now even that 90s nostalgia that's been yeah. coming up a lot. That's that's the thing. Just culturally speaking. So this is weird, and I've thought about this for a while. Every decade that I can think of has a very distinct style, yeah. cultural influence, fashion, music, movies, looks to it. But the 2000s, and even more so the 2010s, just feel like basically since 2000, all we've been doing is just rehashing and mimicking prior <laughs> uh, cultural styles. I'm curious how much of that is just our own short-sightedness like it's some of that is harder to see because it still wasn't that long ago like in another 10 20 years we might be like oh yeah 2010 or 2020 was really distinct in this way that like we can't really necessarily see right now yeah it's kind of like because we're in it we can't really notice the yeah the the obvious uh new influences of the of these decades yeah because i mean mean, if i think about like 2000 to 2000 to 2010 now and now i'm thinking more of certain technological revolutions like the smartphone the iphone the ipod mm-hmm. 9-11 happened like there was all this you know i i think the longer we go away from some of these decades the more we're going to start to see like their defining traits yeah the more they start to crystallize in like our perception of them yeah and i'm curious what the 2010 to 2020 time period will be because right now i'm struggling to think of like i know anything. right same <laughs> but i think in yeah. another 10 years probably you're now or it'll be like oh yeah okay i remember this and that but yeah you're right the 2000s is starting to kind of crystallize as like we can see the major trends of yeah. that decade but even now at the end of 2020 the the year from hell uh <laughs> it's well this this year will probably be what we remember this decade as and another thing that crosses my mind, I've, I've been more conscious of it lately, but I, I think there's been times where I'll remember something I'm thinking like, oh yeah, that was the 90s. But then more recently, I've been like, oh no, actually that was like 2003. So yeah, you, same here. you start, I think as, as we get more time away from it, I think we're realizing like there was actually more of that stuff I remember as kids, like actually in that 2000s. I've noticed that with movies. Like, I'll look at a movie and I'll just be like, oh, God, that's got to be from the 80s. And it's like from like 1997. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that was was a little taste of Vaporwave and Future Funk. Let us know what you thought about the genre, what you liked, what you didn't like. Uh, You can talk to us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. You can also listen to this episode and all of our previous episodes on getyourfunk.com. We're also on SoundCloud, Google Play, I think Apple Music, and Bunch of shit. anywhere albums are sold. Yay.
Yay. So yeah, this has been your um, very aesthetic host, Kyle. (laughs) And this has been your Lisa Frank host, Peter. (laughs) Lisa Frank 420.